0: You are listening to a sermon from the First Baptist Church of Ewing, a Christ-centered church in Lewis County. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Uh, Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, uh, not greedy for dishonest gain. Uh, They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and then let them be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, or some translations say the women, likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober minded, faithful in all things. Let each deacon each, uh, be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own household well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, I, I want you just to think for a moment about the early church uh, and who the first converts to Christianity were. Uh, For about the first 300 years uh, in the life of the church, Christianity was uh, illegal in the Roman Empire. Uh, Being a Christian could actually get you killed, Uh, so it wasn't the prominent, uh, influential members of society that were the first to follow Jesus, Uh, well-known politicians and and, uh, businessmen. uh, They didn't want to risk their livelihood or their status in society. Uh, So they weren't very likely to become Christians. Uh, Rather, it was often the outcasts and the poor who who didn't have anything else to lose. It, It didn't matter if society shunned them for following Jesus because they were already being shunned by society. In fact, they actually had everything to gain by submitting their lives to Christ. Uh, Because the early church was so good at at taking care of one another and providing for one another's needs. So one of the largest demographics of individuals who came to faith early on uh, was actually the widows. Uh, Especially older women whose husbands had already passed on uh, and who didn't have any immediate family members to take care of them. Uh, Many of these widows living around Jerusalem in those early days of the church, uh, they not only found a new faith in Jesus Christ, uh, but they also received a new family. Uh, It was their new brothers and sisters in Christ who stepped up to feed them and take care of them. And this is kind of what you would call a good problem to have. Uh, it was good because it, it showed just how the early church was just exploding. You know, new people were submitting their lives to Christ on a daily basis. Uh, but it was also kind of a, a problem in the sense that there were suddenly a lot more individuals that needed attention and a lot more mouths that needed to be fed. And Jesus' apostles who were acting uh, as the pastors of that early church in Jerusalem, Their lives began to get busier and busier, and more and more time during their week was taken up just visiting and taking care of these widows. And even though they enjoyed that work, it meant that there was less and less time for them to spend praying and preaching the word of God. And so to solve this problem, the apostles, they, they decided to uh, create a new role in the church, the office of deacon. Seven guys were selected in the church uh, that was in Jerusalem, and essentially they served as table waiters. Uh, It wasn't very glamorous work. They were just serving food to the widows and probably washing a whole lot of dishes afterwards. Uh, But even though it wasn't glamorous, uh, it was no less important. So today, I want to spend our time talking uh, about the work of a deacon. You know, so much of a deacon's work is often behind the scenes in the church. Uh, Much of what they do isn't always seen or noticed by others. Uh, So it makes it all the more important to teach on the topic of deacons from time to time uh, so that we don't take them for granted uh, or forget about the necessity of having them. So we're going to study uh, these six verses in 1 Timothy, uh, talking about the qualifications of deacons, and I want to ask a series of questions for us as we go through this text. Uh, And hopefully, as we answer those questions, we'll walk away with a better understanding of these unsung heroes in the church uh, and the role that they play. So the first question that I have to answer is a simple one. Uh, which is, what is a deacon? We already know a little bit about that role because I was just talking about it in Acts chapter 6. That story in the book of Acts is actually one of the only times in the Bible where we get to see deacons in action. And the work we see them doing is hard work, waiting those tables. Uh, But you can also learn a lot more about the role of a deacon simply by knowing what the word deacon actually means. Uh, Deacon is actually the Greek word for servant. So in verse eight of our text, when Paul begins to write to Timothy about the qualifications of a deacon, uh, he's actually writing about the qualifications of a servant. And for some reason, I I don't know why, but we, we don't translate that word uh, from Greek to English when we translate the rest of the Bible. We, we just call deacons deacons uh, rather than calling them servants. Uh, but if we would use that English word rather than the Greek, I think it would give us a much better understanding of their role. Uh, chapter three of Paul's letter here uh, to Timothy, uh, he talks about two offices uh, that every local church should have. Uh, there's the office of overseer, which Paul mentions in verse 1. Uh, then there's the office of servant or deacon, uh, which is mentioned there in verse 8. Uh, and that term overseer, it's just another word for pastor. Uh, we talked about that when we studied the book of Titus. Uh, the Bible has three titles that it uses interchangeably to describe that same office. Uh, overseer, elder, and pastor and they all refer to that same role Uh, and you can learn a lot about the role of an overseer just by hearing it called that term you know what what should overseers do well at at risk of stating the obvious they are they should be overseeing things pastors are to lead in all areas of the life of the church Uh, they are supposed to do a lot more than just preach and while the pastors lead, it's the role of the deacons to serve. That, that's how the two offices work together. Uh, deacons aren't like CEOs. They're not like a board of directors. Uh, they don't exist just to you know, make all the major decisions of the church. They're there to serve the, those physical or those tangible needs of the congregation. Uh, they're here to help visit the shut-ins, to go to the hospital, to check on the sick, to take meals to those in need. They're the first ones you know you can call in an emergency and when you need help. Uh, they act as a sort of safety net in the life of the church. Uh, and they're always keeping an ear out close to the ground, listening to see if there are you know, any members who are struggling and if there are any ways that they can better serve them. So what is a deacon? I hope we have some answers for that question now. Uh, Secondly, though, we get to the heart of this text by asking another question. Who should be a deacon? And by my count, there are eight qualifications I see for deacons uh, in verses 8 through 10 and then also in verse 12, uh, which means that if I want to get through them all uh, and we want to get to lunch... Uh, then I'm going to have to fly through these at lightning speed. And that's what I'm going to do. But as I run through these list of qualifications, one thing that you'll see is how these qualifications are really not that much different than the qualifications for a pastor. Uh, when you read through them uh, the, in the qualifications for a deacon and you compare them to that of an overseer, the, the, the only real difference is the ability to teach. Uh, pastors must be able to teach. So while deacons are not held to that standard, uh, they don't have to be a great public speaker. You don't have to, to be able to get up in front of a crowd if you want to be a deacon, but you still have to have those same moral Qualifications and that same sense of spiritual maturity that is expected of any pastor. Uh, And for that matter, I mean, these are just the basic qualifications and expectations really for any mature and faithful follower of Christ. This is what we would expect from everyone in the congregation as they mature in Christ. So, keeping that in mind, uh, let's run through at lightning speed uh, to see what exactly is uh, the what exactly are these qualifications and what it takes to be qualified to to be a servant in the local church. So, first, uh, to be a deacon, you must be dignified. Uh, this means that you must be a respectable individual. Uh, You must have a good reputation in both the the church uh, and the community. Uh, You don't want someone serving in this role uh, who's going to give Christ a bad name. Second, uh, deacons are not to be double-tongued. This means that they shouldn't be prone to lying or gossiping. Uh, It means that they shouldn't speak praise to a person while they're in their presence, uh, only to speak ill of them when they're not. Third, to be a deacon, you can't be addicted to much wine. Now, this doesn't mean that they have to abstain from alcohol altogether. Uh, Nowhere in the Bible does it completely forbid the consumption of wine or beer. Uh, But because deacons are role models in the church, and because others are going to follow their examples, uh, deacons must be extra careful and make sure that they are not enslaved by alcohol. Because doing so, it's not only going to be harmful to them, uh, but it's also going to lead others down a very destructive path. Number four, deacons also must not be greedy for dishonest gain. Now, this doesn't mean that deacons can't be wealthy or well off in life. Uh, You don't have to be poor to be a deacon. uh, But a greedy servant is probably not going to be much of a servant at all. Uh, Their focus won't be on pouring into others as much as it will be on consuming and and accumulating for themselves. Number five, deacons are also to hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Uh, The Christian faith can be mysterious at times. Uh, The Bible gives us all of the answers that we need, but not necessarily all of the answers that we might want. Uh, and we won't ever have all of the answers about life this side of eternity. Uh, but deacons must, must have a clear conscience about what they believe. So if you are a new follower of Christ and you still have a lot of questions about your beliefs, then you're not ready to be a deacon yet. Uh, deacons need to be the kind of mature Christians that others can go to when they have questions So deacons must be firm in the faith. Number six, deacons also must be tested first. There are a lot of individuals uh, who sound like they may be good deacons, at least in theory. You know, maybe they they seem like they're spiritually mature. They're well-respected in the church and in the community. uh, But you don't want to put somebody in this role who is untested just to find out that you were wrong about your assumptions. So the first question that we should always be asking ourselves about any potential deacon is how are they already serving? Even without the official title of a deacon, are they already acting at least as a lowercase servant? We should look for the ones who help serve when we have meals together and who are setting up the tables and who stick around afterwards to put everything away. We should be looking to the ones who greet the saints when they come in to worship and hold doors for one another and who make phone calls when they notice that somebody has been missing from church for a while. Those who are already acting as deacon and serving others already and who have already been tested, those are who should be deacons. So we've seen six qualifications from verses uh, eight through 10. Now drop down to verse 12 and there's two more. It says deacons are to be the husband of one wife. And there's a lot of questions, a lot of confusion sometimes surrounding this qualification. Uh, It's a qualification for both elders and deacons. Uh, So let me just say a couple of things about what it's not in order to see what Paul uh, is trying to say. Um, He's not saying, Paul's not saying that deacons have to be married. Uh, The Bible doesn't require overseers or deacons to have a spouse. Uh, Paul is also not saying that those who have been divorced are disqualified from serving either as an elder or a deacon. Uh, those who have been divorced still can uh, serve the church. Uh, what this qualification is getting at is the faithfulness to one's spouse if they are married. Uh, the Greek literally says that deacons are to be a one wife man, meaning that they are to be devoted to their wives. Uh, if they're not married, well, then this doesn't apply to them, but if they are, then they must be devoted. So if you're sleeping around or or cheating on your spouse, well, then you're disqualified to be a deacon. Or even if you are faithful in that regard, but maybe you've placed your career before your spouse, well, then you've also disqualified yourself. There are a lot of ways to uh, be unfaithful to your wife, uh, even if another woman isn't involved. And that doesn't mean that Paul is saying that they're gonna be disqualified for forever. Uh, it, it might not mean that, that they are permanently banned from this role, uh, but it does mean that they need to take a season in life to repent and to reinvest in their relationship with their spouse. Because if you can't be faithful to your own bride, then you're not gonna be able to be faithful to the bride of Christ which is the church when you try to serve her. Uh, And then finally, we have the last qualification. It says that deacons are to manage their children and their own households well. Now, again, this doesn't mean that deacons must have children. Uh, And if they do have kids, it certainly doesn't mean that those kids need to be perfect or nobody would be qualified Or it doesn't even mean that the children must be Christ followers themselves. But if someone does have kids and they aren't even respected by their own family and children, then it's going to be difficult for the church to respect them as deacons. So we've looked at the eight qualifications of a deacon. uh, But before we move on to the next question, we still need to look at verse 11. Uh, Verse 11 is a very tricky verse that is thrown in to the middle of all of these other qualifications. Uh, So let me just read this verse again for us. Uh, It says their wives, or as I said, some translations say the women, likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober minded, faithful in all things. So. In addition to those eight qualifications that we've already read about, we see four uh, additional qualifications that are given here. Uh, but the question is, who are these qualifications directed to? Uh, who is Paul speaking about? Uh, at the beginning of that verse, as I said, some translations are, are, are different. Some say they're wives, uh, which could be referring to the wives of deacons. Uh, While other translations simply say the women, uh, which may actually be referring to female deacons or deaconesses. Uh, And and the reason for the confusion is that in the Greek, there's only one word which can mean either wife or woman. Uh, There's not a separate word. So in Greek, if you're married, uh, you don't actually say, this is my wife. Technically, you say, this is my woman. Uh, But this obviously is something very important for us to figure out and understand what Paul is saying. Uh, We need to know who Paul is talking about Uh, if we're going to be able to answer the question, who should be a deacon? Uh, Can women serve as deacons or is the office of a deacon reserved only uh, for those who are men? Uh, And this can be a very divisive issue, uh, one where people are just going to disagree on with one another, and that's fine. Uh, It is okay to disagree, Uh, but let me just make a few observations uh, on why I actually believe that the Bible supports this idea of female deacons. Uh, The Bible makes it very clear that pastors, uh, that role of of a pastor is reserved for men. Uh, Men are to lead the church just as they are to lead uh, their own households. Uh, But the Bible isn't as clear about this office of a deacon uh, as it is with the office of an elder or pastor. Uh, So first, again, let's go back to that first word in verse 11. Uh, like I said, uh, it can be translated to mean either a deacon's wife uh, or a female deacon. Uh, But I I think it would be very strange for that translation to be talking about deacon's wives, Uh, because nowhere in scripture did Paul give a qualification for pastor's wives. So it would be kind of strange uh, for, for, for the, the wives of deacons to be held to a certain standards, but not the wives of elders or pastors. So, so that's the first reason why I think he's actually talking about female deacons. But secondly, uh, you also have to look at Romans chapter 16. Uh, in verse 1 there, Paul says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe a deaconess of the church at Synchria. Now, some translations uh, will refer to Phoebe uh, not as a deaconess, but they'll call her a servant. Uh, But as I said, the English word servant actually is the Greek word for deacon. You know, they mean the same thing. So so Paul uh, appears to approve of this woman named Phoebe who herself uh, apparently was a deacon in her local church. So so again, this can be a controversial issue, uh, which is why our denomination, the Southern Baptist Convention, um, actually doesn't take any official stance on the issue. Uh, There are many Southern Baptist churches where only the men serve as deacons, uh, and there are quite a number of Southern Baptist churches where both men and women serve together as deacons. Uh, But as far as what this means for us today, uh, it's this. What What's clear is that the Lord expects both men and women to be servants in the church, at least at some capacity. I mean, if Paul is talking about the wives of deacons, then he wouldn't just put these qualifications on these women unless he expected them to be serving alongside their husbands. So whether he's talking about women whose husbands are deacons, or if maybe he's talking about female deacons, it's clear that there is much work to be done in the church. And we need many servants working diligently together to get that work done. Both men and women, and those who are serving in the official capacity as a deacon, uh, and those who maybe aren't technically a deacon but who are still finding uh, numerous ways to serve their brothers and their sisters in Christ. Uh, and, and those wives and you know, women uh, should be expected to have the, that same caliber of spiritual maturity as their male counterparts. Those four qualifications uh, for the ladies are, again, surprisingly similar to the qualifications given by the men and the qualifications given uh, to the pastor's. Uh, Just like the men, they are also to be faithful and mature and sober-minded followers of Jesus. So that's who should be deacons uh, and who uh, should serve the church. Uh, Men who meet those qualifications, uh, those eight qualifications, and then either uh, their wives or women who meet those four additional qualifications in verse 11. Uh, But I have one final question for you, uh, and it's another important question. And that is, why is it even worth it? We've seen uh, what what a deacon is and who should be a deacon, but, but why is it even worth it? I mean, there are a lot of qualifications to become one. Uh, And anyone who has ever served as a deacon, they know that the work is hard, uh, the hours are long, uh, the pay is non-existent. So, So why in the world would anyone want to do it? Well, Paul gives two reasons at the end of verse 13. First, Paul says that those who serve well as deacons will gain a good standing for themselves. There's a lot of honor. Uh, that should come with this office. Uh, Now, we don't always give deacons the credit that they deserve, but we should. Uh, Deacons work hard, and they should be respected for the work that they do. I mean, that's why we're celebrating uh, Jerry Dance today. 64 years of faithful service as a deacon uh, between our church and First Baptist Lewistown. Uh, in fact, if I've got this right, I remember uh, he told me that as of today, he has been serving for 64 years, two months, and 13 days. Uh, not many can say that they have accomplished a feat like that. And, and Jerry's service, I, I can tell you, is not just in name only. Uh, when I came Uh, in view of a call to be the pastor here, uh, Jerry was actually one of the first people that I met. Uh, He and I actually talked for quite a while uh, in the outer office before I went in to be interviewed by the search committee. And I could tell that that he took a very invested interest uh, in knowing who might be a a potential pastor uh, at this church where he served. Uh, I remember he and and Betty and, and all of the other, the deacons and their wives took, uh, Ashley and I out for a meal just to get to know us, and he, they they were actively seeing if we would be a good fit for their church. So even after you know sixty over sixty years of service, uh, Jerry has still been actively involved in making sure that this church has good leadership over it. Uh, but as rewarding as it can be for deacons to gain a good standing for themselves, uh, there's an even far better reward for deacons as well. And that's because serving as a deacon, as Paul says here, can give them a great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul says at the end of verse 13, that deacons gain a great confidence in the faith. Being a deacon makes you more like Christ, and it gives you more confidence in Christ because Jesus was actually the greatest deacon who ever lived. I mean, we think about Jesus, we often think about him in the role of a shepherd or a pastor, but Jesus was also a deacon. You see this in Matthew Twenty, verse 28, where Jesus said to the disciples uh, that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, If you read that in the Greek, it actually says that Jesus came not to be deaconed, but he came to deacon. Jesus came as a servant. The greatest act of Service in Jesus's ministry was to give his life as a ransom for many. So if you are a deacon in this church and you want an example of what it looks like to serve others, just look to the example of Jesus on the cross. I mean, he served us by giving up his life for us. I mean, he died a violent, horrible death on a Roman torture device. So that if we would just repent of our sins and submit ourselves to him, we might have eternal life with him. And that's the greatest act of service one could possibly imagine. But but maybe you're you're not someone who is currently serving as a deacon here. uh, But maybe you are someone that you feel like maybe the Lord is leading you in that direction. He's calling you to be a deacon. Well, then you also need to look to Jesus as an example of the kind of service that will look like. I mean, sometimes it's dirty work. Like when Jesus washed the nasty and gross feet of the disciples. Uh, The work of a deacon, it's often long and underappreciated work. Just like the countless hours that Jesus spent ministering to the poor and the sick. And to some degree, it will always be sacrificial work, but it's work that needs to be done. And even maybe you're, you're not a deacon here, you have no desire to, to ever be one. Um, I still hope you're going to walk away from this passage today seeing how all Christians are called to serve and to deacon to one another, at least at some level. Um, Every church will have those capital D deacons who have been set aside to model for us what Christ-like servanthood looks like. But the reality is, uh, is that all who are Christians should be serving and deaconing as well. I mean, there's just simply too much going on in the life of the church and too many needs that need to be met for just the the pastors and the official deacons to do it by themselves. I mean, we need an entire congregation where everyone sees themselves as servants. It's difficult work, but as you do it, it will bolster your own faith and your own confidence in Jesus Christ. So though the work is hard, the work is certainly more than worth any of the the difficulties that may come with it. So may we remember that reality in the days and the weeks ahead. Let me pray. Father, um, just thank you so much for sending Jesus to be a deacon to us, uh, to serve us through uh, his death uh, and his uh, burial and his resurrection. May, may we all uh, just model our lives after him, Father. May we seek to serve others like Jesus served us. Um, and Father, I pray that you would just continue to raise up capital D deacons in this church as well. Help us to, to set aside a number of individuals to do the important work and ministry that needs to be done. And through it all, may you receive all of the glory and the honor from it. Um, I just say all of this in Christ's holy and precious name, amen.